Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth of God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers and the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to feature a song by our youth choir entitled, He Paid a Debt He Did Not Owe. Then we're going to go right into the message, and this message is from Judges chapter number 3, and the title of this message is, The Fat Man Must Die. We're going to be looking at the great story of the Judge Ehud there in the book of Judges. So get your Bibles open with us, worship with the youth choir as they sing, and then hear God's Word preached today on the broadcast. Judges chapter 3. I, I love the book of Judges as I read through it in my daily Bible reading. I love the book of Judges. It's so real. It's so gruesome. It's just so interesting to me as a man. Amen. I love the book of Judges. There's a lot going on in the book of Judges. In reality, the book of Judges shows us a lot of failure and I can relate with that. But also the book of Judges shows us a lot of faith. We know Samson uh, and his failure, but Samson uh, we must be reminded 
been made. Hebrews 11, the great heroes of faith as well. And so when we look at the book of Judges, I think we can see the, see the great potential for God's people. But yet we can also see the great catastrophe and the great disaster of God's people turning away from God and getting their eyes off of their true Lord and Savior and getting it on the little L lords and the little G gods of this world. We also can see in the book of Judges how God chastens his children, how God used these uh, enemy nations to come in and invade the children of God and allow them to serve these enemy nations. And then God would raise up a judge to deliver them and to save them from the sin that they were involved in. You say, a preacher, what determines all this that is going on? I believe that what determines it is whether or not we're willing to sin against God's will or submit ourselves to God's will. Whether or not we're willing to rebel against the commandments of God or repent and get our hearts right with God. I believe, and as I read through the book of Judges here recently, reading through those chapters, it reminded me so much of America and where we are today. One thing I may mention to Brother Bobby, I believe it was on Wednesday night about the book of Judges is how many women are mentioned in the book of Judges. Notice how many women are in authority and leadership doing something in the book of Judges. It seems that America has all of a sudden had a rise of women in leadership. I believe that is a type of the judgment of God. You say, preacher, why? Because women in leadership is not God's order uh, for a nation or a home. And so I believe when we look at the book of Judges, we can see a lot of things that are out of order. And anytime things begin to get out of order uh, God begins to work and to bring about chastening and judgment to bring about people getting back right with God and I believe we're seeing that right before our eyes on the television we're seeing that right before our eyes everywhere we look in America it's people whose hearts are not in tune with God in fact the theme of the book of Judges is Judges chapter 17 and verse 6 and also chapter 21 and verse 25 where the Bible said in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Does that not sound like today? Everybody wants to do whatever they want to do and, and gets offended over anybody that says they're doing something wrong. Listen, we're living in a day when everybody is simply doing what is right in their own eyes. But the Bible also says that there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Amen. I want to tell you today that it's not right to go against God's word. You will never prosper living in sin. You will never prosper living uh, against the command commandments of God and the book of Judges proves that and shows that and reveals that to us looking here at the book of Judges let me give you a few things by way of introduction first of all the period of time we see that the book of Judges comes after the book of Joshua the book of Joshua was a great time for the children of Israel we preached many messages out of the book of Joshua the uh, book of Joshua is the Ephesians of the Old Testament I call it in other words it is a book of victory it is a book that they got into Canaan land and began to live in victory and conquer the enemies that God had delivered into their hand but here was the problem when Joshua passed away and then all those elders that outlived Joshua passed away the children of Israel began to drift away from God when that generation began to die off the next generation did not carry the people in the right direction 
Boy, we're seeing that today even. We see the period of time, but also I believe we could see in the book of Joshua the purpose of captivity. Many people and even study Bibles, and if you look in your word of God, you'll see where the, the children of Israel began to be under captivity. They began to be under different servitudes, as my Bible calls it. Here we see uh, back in earlier in chapter 3, we saw they were under the Mesopotamia servitude. And then God raised up a judge, Othniel, uh, to deliver them. And then once again in our passage tonight, they went back under the captivity and the servitude of Moab. It seemed that God was constantly using these enemy nations to get their attention. And that was the purpose of captivity. I believe God is using this even in our nation. Oh, preacher, what about this nation? Preacher, what about this nation? I believe God is giving many of these wicked leaders exactly what they want. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? God is allowing these wicked nations to come in and invade the children of Israel in the book of Judges in order that defeat uh, may come into their life and they may see the result of their sin and the result of turning their eyes away from God. We see not only the purpose of captivity, but I want to see tonight as well the purpose of the judges. The book of Judges records to us 13 different judges. Twelve were appointed. One was a serper of, of the original, but long story short, the 13 judges, 12 men and one woman that were raised up uh, in order to lead, to deliver, and to rule, and to bring about the people of God uh, delivered from the captivity that they were in. The word judges simply means a ruler, a deliverer, a savior one who puts people in the right place and then rules over them as well they literally were sent by God to bring them out of this captivity to get their eyes back upon the Lord we began to look at this we began to see as they were in captivity and even uh, in verse number 12 of the passage we read tonight the Bible said that the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. It tells us by the word again, this is not the first time. They had strayed away from the Lord God. Can I stop and say tonight, it's not the first time you messed up. Amen. Uh, listen, we were born with that sin nature. You don't have to teach someone how to lie. You don't have to teach someone how to sin. A child comes naturally into this world knowing how to sin and how to fail. Here the children of Israel once again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And notice it said the Lord strengthened Eglon. It's very interesting that God strengthened a wicked unsaved man to invade the children of Israel to bring them into captivity. You say, preacher, God is not behind this nation. God is not doing this, and God is not doing that. You'd be amazed what God's doing behind the scene. You and I have no idea. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? What I am saying here, God was going to use Eglon, the king of Moab, to come in against Israel. Look at the end of verse 12. Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. In studying that city of palm trees is that area near Jericho. They had already come in and conquered it. But now what they had conquered, the devil's group had come in and reconquered what the children of Israel had already conquered. That's very similar to our life. 
You see people get saved and boy, they get delivered from sin. They get delivered from the bondage. They get pulled out of things. But then the next thing you know, they begin to get a little slack. They begin to get a little confident and prideful thinking that the Christian life, boy, I, I can lay down my Bible reading a little while. I can lay down my prayer life a little while. The next thing you know, they begin to do small things. We call them small, little things that may not matter to anybody that God has once delivered us out of. We begin to allow the devil to conquer that area again in our life. Uh, the, the, the book of Galatians talks about going back under bondage, amen. The bondage God has brought us out of. We begin to go back under that yoke of bondage. That is the story of the book of Judges. God brings them out, gives them the victory, and then they begin to turn their eyes away from God and worship Baal and worship Ashtoreth and worship all these false gods and false lords and then they begin to uh, those areas that God has conquered and given them victory over they begin to get back involved in that yoke of bondage that's the story of the book of Judges it seems to be a roller coaster ride one moment they're doing great the next minute they're back down and many people their Christian life is the same story so I want to look tonight in dealing with one instance here tonight and one judge and one enemy and one territory of one of these instances out of the book of Judges and that is the death of Eglon, the king of Moab. And I want to look how God raised up this judge, how God raised up Ehu, the son of Gerard, a Benjamite, to deliver God's people in this day. And tonight I want to preach on this thought, the fat man must die. The fat man must die. You say, preacher, that sounds harsh. Well, that's what the Bible says, amen. Eglon was a very fat man, according to verse 17. And can I say tonight, God, in order for the children of Israel to conquer this territory, and in order for the children of Israel to regain the ground, the leader, the Lord, and the king of this territory had to be taken out. Amen. In your life individually, the problem with many Christians and the reason they're not living victorious and the reason they're not on fire for God tonight and the reason we're not seeing revival is there's a fat man in their life that has been brought up and elevated and is dictating their life. Amen. That's what's wrong. You say, preacher, you believe that? Absolutely. Let's look, number one, tonight at the Israelites' enemy. We see tonight the enemy of the Israelites in this passage is Moab, the Moabites here. It's very interesting that you can relate the Israel, they're related to the Israelites through Lot. If you'll remember Lot, uh, after he came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, his wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. But Lot and his two daughters escaped the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then we find that his daughters lay with him. Their father created an incest relationship. And from that, one of those children, one of the fruit of the loins of Lot, was one of those, the Moab descendants. We find as we begin to study that Moab in this passage is a picture of our old carnal, natural, fleshly, and fallen nature. You say, preacher, why? Though I am saved tonight, I've still got this flesh. Though I'm saved tonight, my natural, carnal, fleshly self still desires the pleasures that it used to desire too. 
Now, I know that many people will say, oh, preacher, you know, since I got saved, you know, sugar won't melt my mouth. Well, you, you, you just lied, amen. You just lied. When nobody else is around, let, let's talk about it then, amen. And we come to church like this many times, boy, uh, sugar won't melt in our mouth. We can't say amen enough. We can't praise Jesus enough. But when nobody else is looking, we begin to lean back on those pleasures of the flesh and our fleshly carnal nature begins to rise up. And that is what Moab pictures in this passage. And the king of Moab is a very fat man. Amen. Don't lose sight of that. Not only do we see the Moabites, but we see Eglon, the king and the leader of the nation of Moab. He was a very fat man according to Scripture in verse 17. Now you say, preacher, why do you keep saying that he was a very fat man? Well, here's the thing about a fat man. I understand some people have medical problems that produce them to be overweight. Sometimes thyroid can get in the way. Sometimes issues can happen that produce people uh, in their flesh to not be able to, uh, to put on weight easy. I understand all that. But for the most part, you would have to agree with me, and don't get mad at me tonight, that someone that is overweight and obese has an issue when not putting down their fork amen what I'm getting at is there is a fleshly appetite with no discipline there is a fleshly appetite of self-indulgence and because there's been little to no discipline and little to no exercise it has produced over time a person that is overweight that happens amen but here's the thing think about this spiritually now this king of Eglon, this king Eglon, this man over the tribe of Moab, it shows us what our flesh is capable of when there's no restraints and discipline. It shows us the natural, carnal lifestyle and fleshly appetites and self-indulgence with no discipline, no restraint, no convictions. Just go with the flow. Enjoy the pleasures of sin. It doesn't matter. What you end up with is a fat, sinful man. Amen. Now I know some of you looking because you've never heard a preacher say fat in the pulpit, but it's in the Bible. Amen. Here's the thing, the world we're living in is what, exactly what this king is. Living in self-indulgence, living with a fleshly appetite, no discipline, no restraint. This world is full of drunkenness. This world is full of homosexuality. This world is full, all of these things are pleasures of the flesh. This world is full of pornography. This world is full of all of the sinfulness, uh, the, the lust, the greed, the covetousness. I mean, we could go on and on of all the pleasures of, the, of, of self and uh, just jumping in full blast into the sea of sin and enjoying it thinking they'll never have to answer to anybody. This king here is a picture of what happens when you and I let down the guards, when you and I are not disciplined, when you and I are not willing to live for Jesus Christ and we're willing to satisfy our flesh. Every time my flesh wants to do something, I can't give in. Amen. Can I remind us of something? If you want to lose weight, you can't eat everything you look at. Amen. You know, the root word of diet is die. It's about what you got to do to diet, amen. You got to just die. You got to die to yourself, amen. You got to die to what your flesh wants. 
and in the spiritual aspect if we're going to lose the weights and sins that so, so easily beset us we're going to have to die to some things we're going to have to get a diet in our life a spiritual diet get away from some things that are distracting us and putting weights and sin on us that we cannot run the race with patience as God would have us to run it this fat man in our passage is a picture of the carnal fleshly self that all of us are capable of being. And I'm not talking about the physical. This is not about your weight loss programs. This is not about Weight Watchers. I'm talking about the spiritual now. Keep, stay with me now. Amen. Here's the thing, the book of Judges, the theme is everyone is doing that which is right in their own eyes. You know what that literally says? Whatever I want, I'll have it. Whatever I want to do, I'll do it. And nobody better tell me I can't. Is that not the world we're living in? Oh, we're offended because someone told us we can't have uh, uh, all these uh, uh, relationships. We're offended because someone said uh, two women are not to get married. We're offended because someone said two men are not to get married. You know why? Because everything they look at, they want. Everything I've got to have, it's self-indulgence. No discipline. No godliness. Amen. That's what we're seeing. And that is what Moab pictures to us in this passage. We see not only the Israelites' enemy, but we see the Israelites' leader. Notice here we see a man named Eglon, that is their enemy. But God raised up a man named Ehud that would be their leader, their deliverer, their savior, so to speak. The word Ehud simply means strong. He was a strong man. And can I say this? If we don't make up our mind that we're going to serve God and allow God to strengthen us, we will never be able to conquer the fat men that are destroying us in this generation. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? We talked about it on Wednesday nights in Ephesians chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God. We talked about how we must be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ehud's name simply means strength or being strong. And God must strengthen us to be able to conquer those enemies in our lives spiritually. Amen. We see Ehud was number one. I want to say concerning the Israelites' leader, Ehud, number one, he was different. Amen. Can I say tonight it's still okay to be different? We're living in a generation even of Christians where everybody wants to blend in with this world. You know why the standards have dropped in the local Baptist churches and all the churches together? It's because it's different. Oh, preacher, you know, we, we don't want that kind of dress code. It's not comfortable. And we look different than other people. I've had people tell me, preacher, my child is not going to go on your youth outing because they have to wear something that's different than what they normally wear at school. And they missed out on God doing something in their heart. Let me say something to parents here tonight. You will be held accountable one day because you let your child make every decision in their life and you don't stand up for anything. You'll be held accountable for that. Amen. Here's the problem. We're so scared of being different. We're so scared of somebody looking at it saying they look different. They look weird. Man, what's going on with them? It just may open an opportunity for you to tell them why you're different. And that's because of Jesus Christ. Amen. We see you who was different because he was left-handed. In fact, in studying, many of the Benjamites were left-handed. Benjaminites. Boy, I get tongue twist on that. Many of the Benjaminites were left-handed. That was natural to them. Many in that tribe uh, came that way. Can I say this? Uh, you say, oh, preacher, you, you, you're a little different than some. But hey, it's a great opportunity to tell them where you came from and where you're going. Amen. 
Preacher, what are you saying? I'm glad God uses the weak things. When I think about left-handed, it's not the natural thing. It's not the normal always. In fact, uh, most people are not normally left-handed. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not just the normal. It's not something that everybody is. But I'm glad God specializes in using people despite what hand they use. I'm glad God uses the weak things. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Can I tell you tonight, God can use you being you for the glory of God. So preacher, you just contradict yourself. You just said we're to be different. And you just said you're to be you. Yeah, we're to be different according to the scripture. But God doesn't want us to be clones. God doesn't want me to be Brother Smith. God doesn't want Brother Smith to be me. God doesn't want me to be Brother Philip. God doesn't want Brother Philip to be me. Amen. God will use you for you. Amen. And I, what I'm saying is we need to be different. We need to be separated. We need to be consecrated for Christ. We need to be sold out for the glory of God. But God will use you. God used a left-handed man. God used a man from the tribe of Benjamin. God used this man, raised him up to be a deliverer, exactly who he was. He was different. Number two, he had a dagger. Amen. Notice what the Bible said in verse 15. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised him up a deliverer. That word deliver emphasizes what a judge does. He is the deliverer God uses. Ehud, the son of Gerar, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. He was different. By him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Notice verse 16. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges. Don't you notice this dagger? This dagger that he uses is going to be the dagger that conquers the task of killing the fat man. Think about it now. Anytime you see anything about a sword with two edges, it's a direct application and picture of the Word of God. Preacher, what are you saying? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Here Ehud had to use a weapon and the weapon that he chose was none other than a dagger. The weapon he chose was not an arrow. The weapon he chose was not a slingshot and there's nothing wrong with him to a, a weapon so to speak. But the weapon he chose was an 18 inch dagger. Very interesting that for 18 years they've been into captivity. That is one inch for every year. That means for every year they've been in captivity, he had an, a year, an inch for every year that he was going to jab this two-edged sword right into the stomach of the fat man. Amen. Some of y'all is looking like you can't handle this kind of truth, but it's, I'm just giving you the Bible. Some of y'all just need to read your Bible more often. Amen. His dagger was 18 inches. Amen. You know what that shows me? That the, the, the dagger was relevant for the time. Can I tell you something about the Word of God? It is relevant for the time we're living in. People look at the Word of God and say, well, preacher, we need a new version. Preacher, we need a new this and we need a new that. It's no longer relevant for the day we're living in. That's hogwash. That's baloney. 
and whatever other word you want to use there. It's baloney. Amen. The word of God is relevant. For the 18 years they had been in captivity, this man of God got a dagger that was 18 inches. I believe that shows the relevance of an inch for every year that he was going to take this dagger and show the fat man who was in charge. Amen. Not only was it relevant for the times, but I thought about an 18-inch dagger. I thought the fact that it's readily, readily available for anyone to use. You know, 18 inches is not very long. Maybe about that long, maybe 18 inches. That's not big. It's not a big dagger. It's not a big sword. Even a smaller person could handle a sword that size. Can I remind you of something? The Word of God is readily available for you to use. You don't have to have a doctorate of divinity. You don't have to have a doctorate of theology. You don't have to have a master's, associate's, bachelor, or any other honorary doctorate to read the Word of God. All you need to do is open it up and let the Spirit of God, which is our teacher, teach us what thus saith the Lord. The Word of God is readily available for your help in a time when you're dealing with the enemies of Satan as they're trying to attack you and conquer the victory that Jesus Christ has given you. Notice where he held the dagger. Look. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.